Today, I want to talk about love. We've been talking this last few months really a lot about warfare and staying in faith and, and, and holding ground, and that's all good. We've needed that because there's been a lot of adversity come, and we've needed to hear encouragement to hold our ground, to walk in the Spirit, not to bow to fear. We've needed to hear that stuff. But we equally need love, mercy, and grace. We need to live out of a place of intimacy with God or all of our warring becomes striving, becomes deadness of soul. You guys with me? And so you guys know, we all know that that's true, but sometimes we just need to change course. And today we're going to change course and we're going to talk a little bit about love. because this is the key to walking with God. Uh, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, very famous wedding day ceremony scripture. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So we have to ask ourselves, why is love the greatest of all of those three? Faith, hope, and love. And I'm not going to go deep into talking about faith and hope today. That's another day I've taught this type of thing before a few years back in a series. But it's really, really important that we actually start to grasp that faith and hope were built for earth. Can anyone tell me, are you going to need faith when you get to heaven? Why? Because he's going to be right there. You're going to be in an eternal kingdom, not a, not a mortal earth. Hello. So faith, hope, and love, faith and hope are navigating tools so that we can navigate through our lives on earth following and partnering with the plan and the power of God. Does this make sense? I'm not going to need hope in heaven. My hope's going to be fulfilled and realized. I'm not going to need to have faith because everything's going to make sense. Amen. But love, love is eternal. Love on earth will only increase when we get to heaven. We're going to be in heaven. We'll be like, hey, we're having a little DP get together. And we'll look at each other. You remember when we had to believe for stuff? You remember when like we were just going after that thing for your life for like five years and we got breakthrough eventually? Isn't God awesome? Whoa, let's have a worship service. You know what I mean? See, that's going to be a nostalgic memory. But love will only become more potent. See, so we have to learn in this life how to love really well. Because love is not something that goes away. God is love. And a lot of times people, even Christians, they kind of have this idea that God is good at loving. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say God loves well. It says God is love. We, we try to love well, but God is the embodiment of love. So he doesn't just love you, he is love on you. Hello. 
when you truly get near God, love emanates and melts you. That's why when we walk through life and life's difficult, we just need some Jesus time. Because he doesn't come along and go there, there. He just comes and stands next to you. And all his love just starts flowing like a, like a river and a fountain, washing your soul, causing healing, causing you to hope again, causing that stone castle wall that you've built around your heart by default just to melt away in innocence and purity and, 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 and healing to be restored. God is love. Hello. So when you say, God, can you still love me? What is it? He's like, what do you mean? I am love. And so when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, what that really means is God didn't decide to love the world. He loves everyone. Let, let me blow. Can I blow your mind for a second? Yep. Do you understand that what that means is that people that have rejected Jesus and that have passed away and are in hell right now, God still loves them? That's hard to deal with. God doesn't hate them. God weeps every time someone dies and doesn't go to heaven. Come on. Because God is love. It's not a benevolent character of his. He is love. So here's the real question now that we've set things up. So then why do we choose who we love? That's the big question. God is love, so how can we then choose who we love? We have to be wise. I'm not saying that we just let everyone into our lives, but that doesn't mean we can't love people. Hello? That means that there's no room in someone that says they know Jesus for any hate except the hate of sin, evil, and the devil. See, that's the only hate that I'm legally allowed, so I'm going to do that kind of hate really well. You see, so we have to learn... And what I discovered when I, first, like when I first came back to Jesus from a pretty messed up lifestyle, and you know what captivated me was his power, because I grew up for 20 years in church where it was just hard religion with no mercy and grace and real love. There was works to make you accepted. There wasn't, I'm loving you in the condition you are, even though you're messed up. Because we're so performance-based that we get the idea that we can only come and present ourselves when we feel that we're good. But His love comes into the darkness and sees us in our worst moment, still loves us, sees the best in us, and says, you're better than that, not you're dirty, unclean, and I want nothing to do with you. See, God has love on measures that we can't fathom. But if we can understand it, it'll actually cause us to want to divorce sin in our lives and push towards knowing Him more. And as we know Him more, there's a scripture that I often refer to. It talks about the day of the coming of Jesus when He returns to earth with all the legions of angels and the previous gone saints. It says that those of us that are left on the earth will rise up and be caught up into the sky. So we're going to have a little Superman moment. Says that the sky is going to peel back like a scroll, 
and Jesus and the angels and the saints are coming through and the sons and daughters that are still standing on the earth will fly up to meet him. And as we see him, we will become like him. Now that to me is a beautiful piece of future history. But there's something to that that we can have today. And I've talked about this before, but I don't think for me that this particular detail is ever going to get old. So if you're going to stick around, you're just going to hear this a bunch. Because Paul's whole job was laboring over his people until they looked more like Jesus. So as we see him, we become like him. You don't need to wait till you're flying through the sky looking at Jesus and all the legions of angels coming from heaven. You have intimacy moments with him now on earth. Make time. And you start to experience his person, his nature, his character, his mercy, his love, his compassion. And as you have those moments where you connect with him, little pieces of you change and you start to reflect him. So we have to look like him. And I came back to God when I was in my early 20s from a broken, messed up life. And I came into a kind of a real Holy Spirit blowout atmosphere and I'd never seen it before and I liked it. There was a lot of power flowing and it was great. But what I hadn't yet encountered was the real purpose of my walk with God. See, like I mentioned a little while back, loaves and fishes drew people to Jesus, but it was the truth that changed them. There wasn't a magical substance in the loaves and fishes. That was the billboard that got people there. Lazarus coming out of the tomb was not the kingdom being revealed. It was the invitation to come and listen to the kingdom. Signs and wonders confirm the truth because the truth by itself is too hard to deal with. We need more than just the truth. We need the Spirit. And the Spirit raises the dead, cleanses the leper. Come on, somebody. Tells a woman that's had a lifestyle of, of prostitution that she is a daughter and a princess. And also tells her not to keep doing that stuff. See, we need all that stuff in there. That's love. Don't keep living like that. You're accepted and loved, but if you keep living like that, you're going to end up in flames. Hello? See, we, we, we've got to stop spitting out the bits we don't like. Got to have all of it. And so I came into this, and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. This is super cool. <clears throat> and then I started to realize that love was not a fluffy, fuzzy, emotional word. Love is actually a word Love is a word that actually has a crucifixion effect on you. And the more I started working with people, the more I started to realize that when it says the greatest of these is love, it also doesn't say that the most difficult of these is love. 
I can believe for that million dollars. Yeah, yeah. But can you forgive the person that just ripped you off? Because that's love. Can you treat the person that's talking bad behind your back with love and dignity, even though you want to do something really bad to, to them to get revenge? Love. See, love we embrace with a lot of romance because the world portrays love as something very different than what the kingdom tells us love is. Love is a romance to the world, but love is the cross to Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to be crucified, abused, and rejected, and hang on a cross until he could not breathe anymore, so that whosoever would believe would not perish. That's love. We like to romance love as something out of a Disney princess story. Come on. You guys went real quiet. It's like, I, I don't know if I like this kind of love. Yeah, that's why Jesus sweat great drops of blood in Gethsemane. Because the price to the lover is high. And it really is, true love is a death to my rights so that I can walk in kingdom. This is the part that's really, really hard. See, remember Cain, he kills Abel. The first injustice on the earth outside of Adam and Eve in the garden. Cain kills his own brother Abel because he's jealous. And God comes to Cain and he says, your, bro your brother's blood is crying out of the ground for revenge, for justice. It goes on to tell us that the blood of Jesus speaks better things than the blood of Abel. And it's really, really hard when injustice has been served to repay with love and forgiveness. So I want to talk a little bit for the next few minutes about love, if that's okay. Because if you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to learn how to love well. See, here's another example of loving well. A lot of people love for what they can get out of a situation. We posture ourselves, well, if I'm nice to that person, they'll bring me into their circle. If I'm nice to that person, they might give me some money. If I'm nice to this person and this person, I'll get around that circle and I'll get close to the girl that I'm trying to get around. Fact. A lot of people know how to seduce other people's emotions so they can manipulate what they want out of a situation or a relationship fact but the kingdom doesn't do that if that's if what I'm saying is something that's in your life that you barely even admit to yourself you need to have a reality check the kingdom loves without the hope of getting back or the promise of getting back sorry so for instance while we were still in sin, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't come down and have a little, like, you know, emotional, manipulative negotiation, say, hey, guys, if I die, will you come to my team? I just need to weigh up the reality because I want to be in control. 
He lost all control and he let himself become abused and, and rejected and betrayed by people in his circle, guys. By a group of people that were already oppressed by a Roman uh, uh, oppressor, they rejected him and crucified him. And he'd come to help them. But he didn't speak evil out against them. And this is the hard part because honestly, our old nature is still very much alive, guys. And we want to be seen to be looking right. Love looks like washing Judas' feet. Love looks like not telling all the guys that Judas was the one that was about to betray him. Do you guys understand that Jesus knew all along that Judas was the guy? And his guys didn't even know it was Judas. Because when Jesus said, but I, yet I, at the last supper, he goes, yet I tell you that this night one of you will betray me, everyone looks at Peter and Peter's forced to say, Lord, is it I? Think about that. Why did Peter say, Lord, is it I? Because everyone looked at him. Yeah. Think about that. He, like, he was profiled in that group that if someone's going to mess up, it's Peter. Didn't you see him out on the boat? He was like trying to be the cool dude, the, the teacher's pet. He starts walking on water and then he biffs it and Jesus had to save him. So everyone knew. Everyone knew if someone's going to mess up, it's Peter. See, that's not love either, by the way. Because love keeps no record of wrong. Come on. And love doesn't start profiling someone so they're the... Per love gives new chances. His mercies are new every morning. Ours should be too. Now that's hard. Because we want to jump and put people in a box. Especially that one person in your life that keeps doing that one thing that keeps hurting you over and over. Now, here's the thing. I have to put this disclaimer in here because you guys know I'm going to. Love isn't stupid either. Have boundaries. Just because you're loving someone well doesn't mean they're coming over for, for a cup of tea. Hello. If someone keep lying to you, if someone keep playing silly games, you can love them well by forgiving them but you don't give them round four. Hello? Come on. There's some people in your life that don't, they do not qualify to be close to you. I just need to say that because while I'm preaching love, some of you are inviting your enemies over for dinner. Oh, I just heard my pastor talk about love. I better go find the worst person in my life and invite them back over. No, that dude don't deserve to be back in your life, ladies. He didn't know how to behave. So, so we have to know where boundaries are that when certain people abuse us, we love. We don't, like, I've, we've all seen it. Like someone, someone hurts you and you go to Facebook and you tell the whole world what a certain person's done. Hello, Instagram. Tell a friend, telegram. Tell a gossiper. Little gossip council session. Right, and it just turns into this toxic thing. Whereas love forgives. Now, that sounds easy. Oh, love forgives. That's the hardest thing you're ever going to do. Because everything in you is seething to get justice. Everything in you is raging to be vindicated. 
it's true. You're sitting there like all oh, holier than thou telling me, no, that's not, no, it's true. That's why the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. See, sometimes we need to stop and ask ourselves, who's going to do a better job of putting this right, me or God? I think I mentioned it a little while back. I, I, I watched this um, documentary on like A-grade murderers. And they went to people that did like revenge killings. And they said, did it make you feel better? And the, uh, the categorical consistent answer was for about two seconds. And then it got worse because now the person was gone and my hate still remained. That was the categorical answer. You see, the world gets endorphins from hate. It actually is a self-perpetuating energy. But so is love. It's, it's more regal to love than to hate. But it's also more costly and difficult. Because what happens is, in order for you to be walking in love, part of you is dying. The part of you that can get revenge, set records straight, vindicate yourself. You know that Jesus is our vindication? Do you know what vindication means? The vindicator? Vindicator is someone who comes and just lets everyone know that that's not how it is. But I'm telling you right now, part of you is going to die while you wait for that to happen. And Jesus never comes. Like, you know, you think, I, I per, I'll give you my, for me, I personally think that when people do evil, wicked things against me, I'm sitting there like, do you see this? Are you even watching this, God? And God doesn't say a word. But I know he sees it, but I'm just ticked off that he's not doing anything about it. What he's really doing is he's staying quiet so I don't feed on hatred and that I learn to walk in love by forgiving my enemies and even blessing my enemies. See, forgiving your enemies is one thing. Blessing them is a whole other thing. Like, what do you mean bless my enemies? Those that despitefully use me and curse my name. What do you mean, God? And he's like, mm-hmm, I'm pretty sure it's pretty clear right there. Just read it again. But over time, I've started to watch that God allows time. Like just this last week, Pastor Bex and I had someone get in touch with us that was actually very, very, very hostile against us in our New Zealand church about seven, eight years ago. Someone that we served ferociously, fiercely with love for years, many, many, many hours of counsel and care, and yet they got ferocious and betrayed us. Six, seven years later, our lives are a mess. Would you forgive us? Can we talk? We need help. Now, that's where you have an option to go, <laughs> serves you right. True? Wages of sin is death. How does it feel? Right? Or you can be like Joseph, where the process of forgiveness 
has killed the hatred in you, you found the mercy and the goodness and the love and the grace of God, and now you can weep with your brothers and sisters. And you can show them mercy. Love is hard. Don't let anyone lie to you. Love is less room. Look, it's beautiful when you're in love and you're in the presence of God and the goodness and the mercy of God is from the throne of heaven just overwhelming you and you're weeping. That's beautiful. Come on. <laughs> but it's hard. It kills you because everything in you wants to let everyone know the injustice that happened. I, look, honestly, I could write books on my stories in this area. I could, true? Write massive books. I'm not going to do that. It's better I stay quiet and learn how to die like a king. Because if Jesus went to the cross without crying out, then I need to learn how to walk through pain, betrayal, evil, mistreatment with regality. Is that even a word? It is now. Just add it in. <laughs> We're just having a family chat. I'm going to land this in a second. I had a whole bunch of notes, but I'm just going to, I'm going to leave them. The greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And a lot of us go to church looking for acceptance, and that's great. You are accepted. Jesus accepts you. But we have to go deeper now. We have to learn what love looks like. And love looks like I have less rights than I thought. I don't have the right to be offended. I have the right to forgive. That's that right there is like swallowing a rock. What do you mean I don't have the right to be offended? Mm -hmm. That's good English. You don't have the right to be offended. You have the right to forgive. Because if you swallow offense, hatred and bitterness grows. And you can't... Look, let me just say this. You cannot represent the heart of God, the love of God, while you're walking in hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, and offense. There is no way you can be that deceived. And yet, so many people harbor that and they think that everything's cool. And if we're all honest, we've all done it. We've all done it. Some of us might be dealing with it today. That's okay. Just come on the right side. It's hard. It's not as easy. It's not as easy to say, Jesus, I'm not going to be invested in that. And I See, the, one of the things that blows me away is that before the, the, the Sermon on the Mount and the gifts of the Spirit and, and the fruits of the Spirit were issued, King David, who had been persecuted horribly by Saul, who he'd served so well, when Saul died on the battlefield, David didn't gloat. He even said, just don't even talk about it. Don't go and talk. He says, don't tell it. Tell it not in Gath. So what he's saying is, don't go, and, don't go and talk about this one and make it a big deal. Let's just, let's be quiet on this. Because something from the Spirit of God had taught him that we don't gloat when those that have hurt us fall. Hello. But in order, you can't act that. You, you can't. You can't walk that through the motions. You have to legitimately forgive. You know, like we're about to walk into an election season where some of the ugliest, 
political humanity I've ever seen on the earth is about to emerge. It's emerging already. Don't let hatred get a hold of you. We're here to represent the kingdom, not the White House. As much as I pray for this nation and respect the, 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 the officers, no matter who's in charge, we don't worship government. Like actually, I think Donald Trump said this. We don't worship government. We worship God. And no matter who you are for, that's a great statement. We need to, we need to get that. and We need to say, you know, actually, you know what? I'm not going to be drawn into all the political. There's people getting divided in their families right now over who they're going to vote for. Exactly, reader, it's silly. Yeah. But don't let stuff get drawn out of you. We walk the high ground. It's narrow. You gotta be careful up in the mountains when the when the when the cliff's real steep and you gotta pack on and there's a very narrow little path. You gotta be careful. We're not here to get swayed. We're here to walk the trail. Narrow is the path that leads to life. Okay? We don't get distracted easily. We stay on point. And I'm telling you, you're going to get an opportunity to walk the next week or two. Each one of us is going to get an opportunity to implement this forgiveness and this love thing. Because there's always, every, you know, like every five minutes, someone's just giving you the opportunity to be resentful, hateful, bitter. <laughs> Want to get like, now look, when it comes to breaking the law, justice must be served. 100%. As long as it's godly justice. I'm in all in agreement for that. Okay. But that doesn't make me the sheriff in town that can go and punish the person that just hurt me. Hello. I have to walk in love and I'm just going to trust that God is going to fix it. I need to be a better lover than a warrior. Now, I'm a great warrior, but I've got to be a better lover. Make sense? Otherwise, all that happens is, is people learn to go out and punish other people with their emotions and their feelings and not actually walk in love and forgive. We have to forgive people. When we learn to forgive people, like, I mean, really, because here's the deal. Guys, I'm just going to say this in closing. I've really, to be honest, I've barely scratched the topic of love. But it's enough for us to be challenged and, and pointed in the right direction on a few things. There's a difference between saying out of your mouth, I forgive, I was around a guy for many years that he would literally say, I forgive that person. And then he'd even say, Father, help me forgive. But then he'd just carry on talking about hate towards him. That's, don't deceive yourself. Just because you say the word, I forgive, does not mean you've forgiven. And sometimes you just need to constantly pray every day, God, help me forgive. Help me forgive. Help me bless that person, God. I just pray you really help that person. Amen. So don't just say the words, I choose to forgive, because it sounds really righteous and noble. It ticks the box, but it's not from here. It's from here. And what we need to do is we need to keep saying that until we've changed. Because those moments are not opportunity for justice. They're more, they are, but they're opportunity for God to have justice. They're actually more of an opportunity for us to change and be conformed to Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, let's close in prayer. If anyone needs prayer after this, this is an area that I've really struggled in. We're going to pray for you. The team's going to pray for you up the front here. Because this is an area, guys, that's more potent than many things in your life. God's, you're not going to get to heaven and God's not going to say, did you pay your house off? He's not going to say, did you live debt free? 
He's going to say, did you love well? He's going to say, did you reflect my son well? And he's going to judge your life by the way you've loved. Not, and by the way, let, let me make this disclaimer. Not by the way you've lived out of your emotions compassionately looking like a Mother Teresa. By the way you've loved well. And love is not found, the, love is not measured in the easy things, it's measured in the hard things that kind of make you squeal on the inside. Someone getting something today? Yeah. Let's just stand to our feet, we're going to close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you are a God of love. And while that has all these attributes of mercy and compassion and grace and kindness and goodness and forgiveness, it also has a place in love that causes us to die to ourselves so that we can we cannot be weaponized with hatred and unforgiveness and rage, God. I just really pray, Jesus, that you would help each of us in, this er in these areas where we've struggled or still struggle now, that we would walk in grace and mercy, God, that you would teach us how to forgive others, that you would teach us to let others go first and not be selfish and greedy for ourselves, that we would truly walk preferring others to ourselves, that we would truly walk honoring others even before ourselves, God, that we would start to find what love really looks like, not just a song, God, but a lifestyle. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would bless us and that you would help us and that you would just cause us to walk into your image and not our agenda. In Jesus' name, we love you, God. We bless you. Amen. 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 Amen.